What is transhumanism? Is it better or worse to be a cyborg? Uh, wh what are the ethical lines that we uh, could face as believers or even as non-believers when we morph into something more than a human being? We're going to talk about that and a lot more with Julie Miller today on Theology on Air. All right, well, it's Thursday at 5 o'clock. We are here at KPFT 90.1 FM in Houston, Texas. We're also on Facebook Live. Uh, we are doing a follow-up from our Theology on Tap event just two nights ago. We were uh, blessed to be able to meet, drink good beer, eat some Chick-fil-A. What, what was the other food? Anyway, we had a great time, and we talked about transhumanism, but there was so much that we couldn't cover. So we're very lucky that Julie Miller, our guest on Tuesday night, is joining us in studio today to talk more about transhumanism, answer some questions that we didn't quite get to, and we'll probably run out of time before we get to even half of those. Still, um, thanks for joining us here at Theology on Air. I'm Evan McClanahan. I'm the pastor over at First Lutheran here in Houston, flhouston.org. I'm joined with uh, my partner in crime, co-producer Sarah Stone, outreach coordinator at Memorial Drive Presbyterian Church. Good job. Yeah. All right. And uh, Julie Miller, you're getting your PhD in transhumanism through Faulkner University. <laughs> What did I say? PhD in transhumanism. Oh, yep. is that that's wrong? I don't think that's an actual thing. Oh, yeah, come closer. Yeah. Oh, I, you know what? Yeah. No, you're good. I got to turn the volume up. Yeah, I think it's you could. Just it's say, a PhD in uh, humanities. You could just say humanities. In okay. my track is philosophy. Very good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if the transhumanists have their way, we'll all be getting yeah. degrees in transhumanism. Actually, there so. are. Oh my gosh. There are. Uh, universities like the Singularity University. What? Whoa! Oh, yeah. That all, only add that to the list. Transhumanism <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, very good. Yeah. Uh, Ninety point one FM KPFT. It is community sponsored, listener supported radio. That means that we need your generous gifts to keep us going. We are the only show, I think, in Houston for sure. I think I can say that secular radio uh, channel where we have a Christian radio program. Uh, so uh, we're, uh, we'll be uninterrupted. We're, we're not going to shill for anybody or anything today. We are going to have interesting conversations. And if you support that, go to kpft.org and learn how to donate. Uh, we are out of our fun drive now, so uh, I won't be talking about that much more. But do go to kpft.org, learn more about the station, learn how you can uh, help us out and mention theology on air. Uh, when you do that, and by the way, go to Theology on Tap, uh, uh, Theology on Tap uh, Facebook. We're there. You can find out more about us. Okay, but let's let's jump back in transhumanism. Yeah. Uh, Julie, give us a, a working definition of transhumanism, and uh, let's review those three S's that you talked about on Tuesday night. Okay, <clears throat> so basically, we just want to briefly get our minds around what transhumanism is. It's a view that humanity's problems can and should be ultimately solved by science and, and technology. What they think is that, you know, basically technology has served to solve most of our external problems. So now that focus should be directed inward toward ourselves. So they hmm. see humanity's chief problems originate from our biological limits of our evolutionary heritage. Therefore, they seek to overcome these by applying science and technology to our biology, to our cognition, and to our psychology or our emotions. And they propose this, this will eventually, eventually lead to a new species of post-humans. So basically, you can think of a transhuman is the transitional being between humans and post-humans. Hmm. Is post-human going to be the name of the new species? Or are they going to come <laughs> up with something better than that? I don't know. It okay. seems like they should, right? Mm -hmm. But for now, that's all it is. And they don't know much about what a post-human is, really. 
that's just a. Okay. It's, but we'll it's all almost, be skinny. Almost be a, a marker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we'll have the internet on our eyeball. Okay. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Transhumanists envision a techno utopia, sometimes re- referred to as this. This is what they call it: a triple S civilization of super longevity, super intelligence, and super happiness. A future where there's a gradual blurring between machines and persons. So it's. I don't know that they call it the double blur. I call it the double blur or a two-pronged pursuit to build a machine, machines to be persons and eventually transform human persons into machines. Hmm. So, so that's how you can think of it. Gotcha. Okay. So you, you said the three S's, yes? Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Will you tell us a little bit more about each of the three S's? Maybe just like yeah. what it is and maybe like... For those of us that are dummies, like put the cookies on the bottom shelf. Give us an example of one. So the Super Longevity Project is really, I think, the it it it's coming for these these technologies are coming first, and the emerging technologies that they want to use for radical life longevity is biotechnology, nanotechnology, and AI. And the biotechnology would be genetic engineering, the okay. gene editing, which we have questions about. Mm-hmm. And then the nanotechnology is using nanotechnology, which are little bitty tiny, <laughs> teeny tiny, <laughs> millions of them computers. If Jim Tour is listening, he's like, oh, no, <laughs> that's not the word for it. <laughs> I hope he's not listening. I hope he is listening. But in nanomedicine, it would be the using nanobots in our blood, body, Mm -hmm. brain to uh, heal, to diagnose, to build organs. And but the the and we'll get into that maybe get into that. But the nanobots in your brain are more like a brain machine interface where your brain uh, neurons are connected to the internet or to uh, software to enhance your cognition. Mm. Um, that's the, the creepiest one, of course, and that's the one they really want. Want That's the second phase, and that's the one that is going to be the most uh, transhumanist. Mm-hmm. You know. And the AI is super intelligence, which um, we'll talk about because that's one of the questions that, that um, hung yeah. over from, from the evening. <laughs> hung over. Uh, <laughs> that's funny for theology on top. <laughs> hung over, um, which I knew they wanted to talk about. But uh, the superintelligence also allows the transhumanists to get rid of their body entirely and upload the, their brain or their intellect onto hardware, onto a computer. And that's the super longevity. So then they can be forever, on, you know, existing. But you said <clears throat> Tuesday night, part of super longevity, the sort of first phase of it is that we could live for like 500 years. Uh-huh, or a thousand, yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. And, and so, and really become a cyborg, really, eventually, because the name That's a real word. I thought that was like a... Uh, no, it's a, no, 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 it's a real word. word. Oh, okay. So you, your, but your cyborg body would eventually probably uh, die so that that's why. Speak for yourself, Julie. The, the, the brain uploading is is the third phase is okay. what, what will happen eventually. Okay, yeah. got it. Yeah. They don't expect a cyborg body to. So it's what we have now, then cyborg, then we're uploaded to the cloud or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hardware. Mm-hmm. This is the Sarah mm-hmm. paraphrase. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, the super happiness, of course, is very creepy, but um, that's neuropharmacology, so really good drugs. And what they what what they want to do is reset everyone's brain pathways so that we're always happy, basically. Okay. And even through genetic engineering, so, so tweaking genetics is what they think they can do. And so part of this is deciding what can what can mm-hmm. they do. Mm-hmm. And 
also the big question like we talked about was they have a materialist philosophy of mind and human persons. And if we are more than physics and chemistry, they cannot do, they cannot accomplish everything that they, they think. We're more than that. So yeah. it's just yeah. not, yeah. So the super happiness one is the, interesting to me, and we didn't get to talk about it as much the other night, but just help me understand, we do a little bit of that now with antidepressants, right? Right. So what's what's the next step beyond that, and why it's, is that so it's, Well, strange? they just claim that the drugs are going to get better and better and better. And, and the gene editing also, because they think our genetic, our genes have uh, made it impossible for the neurons in our brain to actually uh, overcome. You can't do all of that with neuropharmacology, in other okay. words. So they can't accomplish everything by drugs, even though they think they're going to do a lot of that. Okay. Yeah. So when they are talking about super happiness, are they talking about absence of pain? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And all suffering. pain? But mm-hmm. so, but you would still need the pain that tells you if your hands on a hot stove. Well, that's the weird thing, you know. I told you that they, that to me, the creepiest thing about it was that you wouldn't have the right emotional response response yeah. to your to reality. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a cost of it. The cost of it is that you will not respond properly, even though your external your circuit. They're not saying they're going to change your external circumstances. Right. So someone could break sh- up with me, but I'm fine gonna, about it. They're going to change the way you feel about it. you know that you're basically changed forever about how you're going to be sad or pain or yeah. suffering or anything. Like but that. do they imagine a world <clears throat> where there won't be anything to be? And you can talk a little bit closer to the mic if you can reach there. I don't know if you can, if the chair will come forward so you can still be comfortable. Okay. <laughs> but like, can you, um, like, are, are they going to, is it, do they envision a world where like things are just going to be better? So like you won't have as much stuff to be mad about as well. <laughs> I mean, if we're all happy, then like we're going, it's be- like, to me, it's just like another version of like, well, how do we recreate the Garden of Eden? Yeah. Because you know, that's kind so of, built yeah. into who we are. So They do expect a lot of the nanotechnology is not just for medicine. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you've ever heard James Tur talk about it, some of it's for the environment uh-huh. and for mm. food and for, I mean, nanotechnology can actually be very transformative, period. Mm-hmm. Um I saw Transcendence, so I'm basically yeah. an expert. For those of you listening, that's a movie with Johnny Depp, and it's really interesting, and it's kind of what we're talking about. So. Is, is Johnny Depp? Is Johnny Depp really? Um, I just have to play this. Hang on. Silent Green is people. Sorry, I just had to do that. What was that? I don't know. Evan's playing with the buttons on the radio. <laughs> that that's from uh, Soylent Green. Oh, yeah, it's the very end yes. when uh, Charlton Heston is is finally the big reveal that Soylent okay. Green is people. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about genetically modified food. Uh-huh. Okay, anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. So actually, they do put they they aren't totally. I mean, even though even though the super happiness, uh, David Pierce in his book doesn't really go into the, this our circumstances of the world being better. Okay. But they do talk about no more famine, no mm-hmm. more right. Mm-hmm. Which a lot of that we don't have a lot of famine in America. But he's talking about mm-hmm. worldwide, globally. Yeah. globally we'll we'll. Be but, having yeah. the solution to that, you know. What's interesting to me is that so many of these things are like you. You, we already have drugs that, right, like mm-hmm. help our mm-hmm. happiness threshold, and we already have genetically modified foods, and and all of those things have critics right now. Oh you know? yeah. So yeah. it's like you know, there's obviously. I mean, uh, this this station, for example, would not take a dollar from Monsanto. <laughs> I mean, if Monsanto <laughs> exactly. came in and said, "We will give you ten million dollars to be KPFT and." 10 times better than you are mm-hmm. they'd be like nope genetically mod food you know modified food you're the most evil thing ever mm-hmm. and so um, and so that yeah. was that was you know Steven Pinker who's the evolutionary psychologist that was his sort of 
funny thing to say was that he can't imagine that that parents are going to line up to to genetically modify their children when they mm-hmm. won't even you know they yeah. don't even expect you know they're critical of genetically modified soybeans you know funny so well i think there's a hypocrisy there though i i think they would um because yeah. i think that we're not consistent on those sorts yeah, of things. Yeah, there's the same people you know? that are putting yeah. Botox in their skin to look nice. Oh, right, yeah. I mean, right, 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 you know, yeah. right, yeah. or they're, you know, they, they whine about poverty and they live in $800,000 homes, you know, or, or whatever, but, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. let's so, not talk about the Oscars. The interesting thing, one of the questions was interesting about, um, how is this different from eugenics, right? And they want to separate themselves so badly. They don't, they Just never, tell us what word. eugenics is. So eugenics would be changing you know was the old-fashioned way of changing our genes our genetic heritage just through people uh you know the right who breathe kind of, you know, yeah. Yeah. yeah not genetic engineering right. but 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 was but was, it kind of is genetic engineering right, right? well it is it's old-fashioned yeah. it's all yeah. it's the it's the slow way yeah they would say it's very slow because um you know they were uh Generation after generation. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's the same idea, only it's a tech version. But they never will say eugenics because yeah. they don't want to say that it's mandated or... Well, that people the... think of one name when they hear you. At least I think of Hitler. You're right. Yeah. Right. Right. And we... People don't want to be assisted No, with no. Hitler. So they want to distance themselves. But the, but like I said on, on Tuesday night, the way they distance themselves is say that they are for individual freedoms and they're not for government control. Right. Libertarian. But the, the but David Pierce, who wrote a book and I'm, I mean, this so he's not even covering it up for reproductive rights for parents. They're, they're It's just not going to you're not going to have a right not to is what they that's is what the creepy saying. part. To me. And yeah. so, I mean, I'll read what he says. He says future parents who decide whether in deference to God or nature to decline gene therapy for a child they know will grow up unhappy. Oh, boy. Okay, depressive. Like Going to have to define some terms soon. <laughs> uh, we'll be open to ac- accusations of child abuse. Well, okay, let's make that relevant right now as well when I think about the transgender issue. Oh, boy. Here we go. I'm, I'm, y'all don't have to agree or disagree. <laughs> I'm not stating the position of theology on, on tap. But just quickly, I mean, we already see court cases now yeah, where, right. where, where one parent disagrees with the other. Mm-hmm. Right, The parent exactly. says, this is the uh-huh. happiness of my child. Their happiness is at stake. The uh-huh. judge says, that that's right. Uh-huh. The, the parent who doesn't want the sex change is... is I, I, against, I so. think he's right. I'm just saying, yeah. I think it's silly for them to say it's not going to be either by socially or by government control. I think that they're right. It's going if this if this happens. Now, that's a big if. If it's safe and and for for gene editing and these germline gene editing to happen, this is way far away. But if it is, then I can see this happening. Yeah. But in the weird thing is so then in in the very same book he says he believes the super longevity is a deal, is a thing. We're doing it. It's mm-hmm. a, it's happening. And so he says, this will necessitate population control. Oh. Wait a minute. What? Yeah. Nothing moral about but, that. So Pierce ahead. assumes that the state will control reproduction because decisions about reproduction cannot be left to the discretion of individual couples alone. Okay. Okay, China. So for them to say be libertarian and say they're not yeah. for social control. And this is this is the guy who is the co-founder of Humanity Plus, which is the huge the huge transhumanist organization. He wrote he's you know, he's at Oxford. He's a philosopher. But 
and he's a utilitarian, which means mm-hmm. he, you know, this is right up his alley. But for him to claim that transhumanism is libertarian, not for social, right. as government control, and then to say, oh, but mm. by the way, wow. on, on reproductive rights, on reproductive rights, yeah, on on having children and whether you're going to genetically, you know, alter them for us to have this post-human population, we're going to have to. It, you're going to. You can have no rights, you know. Yep. So, by the anyway. way, I didn't give out the number 713 526 8737. If you want to call in and you're listening in KPFT land, uh, please give us a call 713 526 8737, and we'd love to hear from you. Yep. Would y'all like to talk about just the whole idea of pursuing happiness for one second? Because I. I do want to talk yeah. about that. I think, though, I would love to hear how either you or the transhumanist community would even just like kind of define that. Because. I asked you about absence of pain, but it seems like there's more well, to it than, than the that. way the way they describe it is is so even though it's a, it's a mental uh, state or you would say it's an emotional state of happiness, it's uh, the way they define it is just physical neurochemical functions of the brain. Right. So it's not you know I mean obviously you are an agent and you have emotions, but they're just saying it's really all physical. So we're just going to tweak all of the brain pathways about this and not we're not worried about the actual. Um, moral issues or anything Well, not like even that. moral, but I'm thinking just practically. I mean, if you if you don't experience any kind of pain, even heartache kind of pain, yeah. then you don't have what you need going into the next foray of whatever that is. And I... Oh, uh, totally. But, I think but are I, they wanting it to be yeah. relative? Like, in other words, we're all just one step happier. So heartbreak is a little less, but it's still there. I mean, are you going to have I just think... as much fun eating something as you are stubbing your toe? Uh-huh. You know, like that's why I don't. Well, I guess probably your first, probably your first inclination is maybe more right. So, so they're be not relative, quite it'll as just quite take it up a notch. Yeah, because how they how they um, describe it is the hedonic set point. Yes. So it's just that they think that we're way we have a very low happiness set point. That no matter what happens to us, we're still coming down. And they they're saying that overall. Mm-hmm. So. We need to all be way happier yeah. than we are. It's interesting, though, because, you know, I, I have several friends that struggle with, really genuinely struggle with depression. Right. And if there was a, if there was something that could step them up permanently, um, I would want that for them. And so I could see people wanting to just, well, where does that stop? You well, know? I think that probably the research in this area, that's probably the neuro- neuropharmacology, even though we made fun of it, and like soma drug and stuff. Yeah. There's probably going to be good headway made yeah. for uh, yeah. depression. Yeah, anxiety. That, that's, that's caused by chemical imbalances sure. and things like that for real, true, physical causes of depression, right? Yeah. Not emotional causes of depression. But I think that probably will have a good effect. Yeah. On, but It sounds like a lot of the along the way pieces of this will be beneficial, but then it's like, where is that gray line? So what? It, what the way I think of it is the motivation. Okay. So uh, transhumanists are just jumping on board about all this research because they want to take it to where they want to go. But normal people like you and me no. are going, oh, she thinks I'm normal. I love that. <laughs> are, are going like, well, that would be beneficial for yeah. my family and this, yeah. this disease and curing this, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know. No, when so, I look at the nanotechnology 
I am excited. I think, I mean, because I think about implications for things like Alzheimer's and spinal cord injuries mm -hmm. and yeah. all kinds of disease diagnosis, like you were talking about mm -hmm. the other night. And and you, I don't see anything wrong with that. But I guess one of several of the questions get to where is the yeah, line? Yeah, where is the line? And who decides where the line is? And I don't mm -hmm. think it's black and white, but I can I can say it's more about your motivation in, yeah, in it rather than anything else. And yeah. that's, that's where I would put it. In other words, uh, I think probably our lives are going to um, be longer mm -hmm. with nanotechnology mm -hmm. and, and if, if gene editing is ever safe and, you know, yeah. um, but then are, are you going to go, oh man, I'll go for a thousand years then. How about if we well, just Well, if I'm live? super happy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, you know, but anyway, it's interesting. Well, shall we dive into some of the leftover questions yeah, from the okay. other night? Uh, so for those of you listening that uh, have not been to a Theology on Tap event, um, people text in questions to a panel in the second half. And Julie was on the panel. We had another uh, scientist on the panel. Our very own Evan was on the panel. And then we had a Bible scholar and professor also. Um, people text in questions and we have so many leftover questions. So we're going to just tackle a few of those today. Um, one of the questions that came in, which I think Julie has kind of a quick answer to, but um, tell us what the singularity is, because somebody asked the question, why does Julie say she thinks the singularity mm -hmm. can't be achieved? Right. I don't, I'm going to admit, I don't remember what the singularity is, but it sounds super cool <laughs> or maybe super evil. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, it's super evil. Okay. Okay. So the, remember, because I, I, I said, I think it could be argued that the singularity won't happen. And the reason I say well, what that, is the singularity? and the singularity is the point is the point in time where artificial intelligence surpasses human intelligence and just becomes autonomous, super, super, you know, they become... The, so they're ruling us in that situation? Well, I mean, they could, yeah. So I think that can't happen, but the reason why is because the singularity is dependent on on strong AI, achieving strong AI. Remember okay. what that is? Artificial intelligence? That, that strong AI, no. So strong AI is what they're, what, what there's a lot of people work on strong AI, and that is where artificial intelligence is achieves human intelligence and of course is that, is that the second of those two tests oh where well the, right? the lovelace test yeah right. the lovelace where, test where where, where 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 it's so intelligent it doesn't know that it's programmed or or it moves beyond its programming it transcends its program right okay. that's what they would say strong ai the computer is a mind understands right. and has autonomy and self-aware uh -huh, right. okay so can I, can I break this down to movies okay. like like <laughs> like uh in terminator when skynet becomes self-aware uh -huh. i've always thought of that as the right. singularity because at that moment the uh -huh. the computer's like oh you know, now we're going to solve the problem well, of, they do. of humans by killing them. Right. So, yeah. And so, like Ray Kurzweil would say, at the time that we have have a, a computer that's equivalent to human intelligence, then it is going to be, like you said, it was mm -hmm. like, you know, then, yeah. then the singularity will And will there's be. nothing, you can't walk it back. And, yeah. You know, because, because in, in, in that event, the, and this is the, this is a real concern, like I know Ray Kurzweil has, if, if I've remember him correctly well in elon musk i believe says the same thing oh, yeah, yeah. That, that 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 the moment that you know the computers and ai gets to that point it'll immediately realize that humans are the problem right you know yeah. um and, and so, we'll become either slaves but, or but, die. but again many humans feel that way and uh many i've heard 
Christians, you know, speaking about the problems of, yeah, because I I don't think it's a Christian ethic at all to be concerned with overpopulation. I don't think there is such a thing on Christian anthropology, but anyway. Okay. So, and, and you will read a lot, a lot of things, but I just want to tell you what, so it's also called artificial general intelligence. So it's not narrow. It's not you know, uh, computers driving cars right. or beating you at chess or diagnosing your med- a narrow um, application gotcha. of okay. artificial intelligence. This means the computer is generally intelligent, just like sounds godlike. Mm. Yeah. Little. So, right. in t- yeah. so for for general intelligence, this is what they're after. Intelligence is a very general mental capability that, among other things, involves the ability to reason, plan, solve problems, think abstractly, comprehend complex ideas, learn quickly and learn from experience, be creative. It's not merely book learning, a narrow academic skill or test taking. It reflects a broader and deeper capability of comprehending our surroundings, making sense of things. Okay, this is what they're after for a computer, which they don't, this this, uh, doesn't exist. It sounds like a perfect husband, though. Right. (laughs) But I I just, my most recent paper is about how they've been trying to um, create a a computer to be literary creative. So it's like a, Mm -hmm. a story writer, a narrative. He's called Brutus. And they've been working on it for 15 years. But there's all kinds of obstacles, because guess why? Computers and machines can't be creative. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a human unique quality. Mm-hmm. But even where do we get that from? Even if you're not a Christian, you you right. you can acknowledge that human beings are creative and that it's unique a thing that we are. Yeah. So, but yeah, it is part of the image of God. That's right. Right. And so, uh, even so, what they try to do, they say, oh no, it's not. It's not divine. It's not a supernatural thing or an image of God thing. It's just a natural. It's something we can. Uh, reduced to computation on a computer. Mm-hmm. So they've tried. So they try to reduce uh, creativity to something like it's called combination theory, where it's just big data and the computer just tries to get uh, interesting combinations of data that <laughs> is creative. Okay. It's mm-hmm. called combination theory. And that's what they think creativity is. But that's not what creativity no. is. And so for, for thousands of years, of course, uh, you know, creativity was seen as a divine gift. That's right. Right? An attribute of God that we get to share. Yeah, mm. that yeah. we actually do share. <laughs> and so I like thinking about that aspect of it because they think about all kinds of other things that they can reduce to computation. One of the the presuppositions of a, an artificial intelligence researcher is that they think your, your thinking is just computational that can mm. be reduced to an algorithm and put on a computer. But actually, it's not. So even if we uploaded our brain to the yeah. cloud, it wouldn't really be us no. there, because the part of us that makes us us can't be reducible in, in that what's, way. What's ironic, too, is that when you talk about creativity, so much of the things that have been created that we love are born out of pain. And they're the right. same people that want to make us super happy. Right. right. And get rid of all that. You can't. Those yeah. two things can't coexist. It's a, lo- it's a big cost. I looked up the, um, the, the top 20 greatest symphonies the other day because I've decided – my children need to start learning about symphonies. And I think four or five of them were Beethoven's, uh-huh. all the odds, and I think uh-huh. six as well. Uh-huh. Anyway, and I mean, the guy was, you know, you know, he died of like, you know, horrible lead poisoning or something. Yeah. You know, there's that book about his hair where they found his hair and they like did testing on it. It's like, yeah, he had 50 times the normal amount of lead in his Jeez. blood. And, you know, he was deaf by the mm-hmm. time. And here's a guy who's a composer who's deaf and all of this struggle 
And out of that comes this incredible beauty and hope, you know, the Ninth Symphony, the Ode to Mm. Joy, as we would call it and stuff. So, yeah, I I mean, why would we create if we're always happy? What the what the heck is there to to talk about? I mean, if if you talk to songwriters, if you talk to, you know, people and you read about the things that they how they create song and song songwriters, Mm they would not understand how this could be reduced to computation. Yeah. And they actually have the uh, same thing with uh, music they do with computers as they do with li- with literature, trying to get... A yeah, they're compu- trying to get computers to, to write symphonies right. and stuff. And so again, they, they, they mimic the existing what mozart did mm-hmm. and in and, and, and yeah they put it. let me ask did you see the new story about this buddhist ai god um, oh i did yeah i know uh, meredith texted it to our group so there's this i think i think it's a buddhist temple or something and they're spending a lot of money on this supercomputer that will be the leader in this like the priest the priest yeah oh my I mean, gosh. it was like hundreds of thousands wait a of minute. dollars that is so weird you said that because i wrote so buddhism of course, there's no self, right? I believe okay. that's and correct. so, and actually, when when the heaven to them is just to be absorbed in the um, well, I think nothingness is nothingness, kind of the ultimate goal. Right? Yeah. Okay. So it's not something. It's it's actually right, it's, it's deprivation. It's like, so yeah. it, it's you're definitely there's no independent self, right? But it's the one religion probably that is the most uh you know compatible with transhumanism because of the the global interesting the global brain yeah the brain that's machine not scary interface. at that point it doesn't scare them a bit that you would not have mm-hmm. an identity or a self that you would be up you know uploaded into a global type of mm. brain and stuff like that hmm. yeah we'll have to ask daniel next week about that and is he a buddhist sort of yeah well i think that they uh, from what i read besides mormons being interested in yeah. the, being a god um, the Buddhists have no have the right. most compatibility. But with but it. here's the thing. So so let's say you can have a computer and you can teach that teach that computer. You can input all the wisdom of the world, and then you go to that computer. And it, I mean, I'm sure that that computer could spit out very like yeah. very wise things and like <laughs> the greatest hits of wisdom, right? And my concern, and this is kind of what we were talking about the other night. My concern is that. The far end of this, maybe we'll never get there. Maybe the singularity will never happen, blah, blah, blah. I I don't know. But for right now, in the next year or two or three, we will be content with a second-rate version of all of this or the beginning phases of this. Like, I mean, I think people are basically content now with second-rate wisdom, second-rate music, second-rate everything else. Isn't that what transhumanism is? Just a counterfeit of of Christian claims or what we, our hope in Christianity Mm. is kind of just a counterfeit version. Well, you can't, you can't really fault them for wanting mm -hmm. eternal, eternal life, right? Happiness or, you know, why can't be made right again? (laughs) Yeah. Why don't you think the singularity can be achieved though? Because I don't think that strong AI can be achieved. Okay. And that is, that's the, because gotcha. you know, I don't think a, a machine can be conscious, okay. understand, have, you know, have our intelligence or creativity yeah. or whatever. It, so, but it can pretend to have it. So getting to your point of whether we, we will be 
settle for it. Mm -hmm. So the Turing test is just about behavior. So a computer could behave like it had consciousness. Mm -hmm. It could say (laughs) things that, or it it could be programmed to, in fact, this Brutus that was supposed to be the the artificial literary agent, his name was Brutus, they uh, programmed him to write narratives and they, they, Spent 15 years doing it. Mm-hmm. Wow. But if you read one of his stories, you'd go, Meh. Yeah. Was it, there was something that was circulating Facebook a while back where they had a computer watch a bunch of rom-coms and then write a screenplay. <laughs> it's oh, yeah. No. Hilarious. Oh, and then they, and they actually acted out the screenplay, right? Oh, have I don't you, know about the acting. I just read it. It's just Well, you can go. A, if Steve Carell's in it, I'm watching it. But you can go online. So they have... Computers that write movie scripts, okay, and then they actually act them out. They, oh. They're hilarious. Yeah, because they're nothing. They're like nonsense. But it's I'm like, sure oh. they're going to get better. So if the computers are listening, yeah. I don't want to <laughs> offend you and later be enslaved but, by you. So even if you had, you know, behavior, you had a computer that behaved that it was a it was a little bit like, yeah, they seem to be able to write a story, you know, mm-hmm. not like Shakespeare. But, you know, so, but the instant you would go, well, are they conscious? Are they Mm. creative? And so that's where the Lovelace test is. The the programmer is the one that is going to be the one to say, have they transcended what I've programmed in them? There's a sermon illustration for you right there. It's the programmer. The the researchers that, that did, that, you know, created Brutus, they showed in their book two chapters how they reverse engineered him to be able to do you know write some of the things he was was writing so it seemed like he had first person from a first person point of view yeah and so they said he didn't transcend anything that's right we we reverse engineered all him to death you know this is what we did and so that's what a, a, a programmer would have to prove that nothing that the computer did was you know that that it was beyond what he was right it's similar to some of the origins of life arguments that anything that can be simulated in a lab is it's the people in the lab working with the materials right. they already have <laughs> right. to begin with, you know, anyway, right. one of the things I've noticed about some of this, and then I do want to get to some of these other questions is it seems like a transhumanist mindset is saying that evolutionarily we haven't yet gotten where we want to get, but we can with these in these ways. Whereas uh, a Christian mindset would say there was a time that we were the way we were supposed to be. And we need to be restored to that. Not, get there eventually like but or that, go past or go go uh transcend it. transcend it yeah that we were created to be eternal or mm-hmm. infinite um and to to live in this harmonious way with god and all of the you know to live a long time to have happiness or joy we would say and that we are trying to get back to that and of course that's what we're looking forward to and right when Christ comes back and all that jazz. But um, let's get to some of these other questions. Okay. I want to make sure that we at least tackle a couple. So those who are listening that were there the other night don't think. Now they're just chatting. Um, one of the questions was, uh, should Christians edit their DNA yeah. if possible? Mm-hmm. For instance, could we edit our genes to reduce the chance of heart disease? So I think this gets at this idea that, Julie, you talked about the other night. There's a difference. And I can't remember the exact words you used. So you'll have to tell me now. But there's a difference between enhancement. Therapeutic, therapeutic and enhancement. Okay. Tell us about that. Yeah. <clears throat> well, and she's she's probably calling my, you know, she's saying. Or okay. he. Or he's saying, you know, so what, you know, explain. Right. Um, like for gene editing, it, there's hopes to eliminate 
genetic disorders. I right. mean, lots of diseases, right, yeah. are genetic diseases or right. from genes. Mm-hmm. And so the hope is that um, they can keep researching and keep trying to figure. There's a lot that, you know, the transhumanists have will have you believe that this is, you know, next month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, go to your local doctor and get this stuff done. I mean, it's just not it, CRISPR is the newest thing to um for gene editing. What is that? It's just a it's a it's a technique that has been developed and to what they, you know, and I'm not a biologist. <laughs> well, that's so. okay. We don't have to get into yeah. that. I, I was the, thinking it was an, an air fryer. But I thought it was something to keep your no, lettuce fresh. No, it's called yeah. CRISPR. And you, you're going to see it. You, There's probably already a lot of articles written on it. Okay. So they, you know, the Chinese guy used <gasps> that's it. That's right. And, that's right. And so it's, it's illegal because of the the ramifications and the, the side effects and everything. They just aren't. It's not ready. It's okay. It's not, you know. We got a question that came on Facebook. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Hit it. Uh, I think it would tie into some of the leftover questions too, but. Would it be immoral for a Christian to input themselves into a permanent simulated experience? So the brain into the server where you live eternally. Virtual, that, virtual reality? Yeah. Is that... Is that <laughs> Say the question again. Would it be immoral for a Christian to what? Input themselves into a permanent simulated experience. Oh, and which, just live there. Which I, yeah, I assume that means, you know... Yeah. Out of so, reality. Like a, yeah. yeah. Like when you're in a coma, yeah. but you stay there. Well, and... I think that, you know, our time here on Earth is if we're going to be sanctified or you know it needs to be in the real world mm-hmm. so i don't know i don't yeah. know is that escape that's escaping um life i went with her on that i'll say not that they asked me they're asking the expert but i no, like I'm to not, I'm not give my unsolicited advice on things yeah that, yeah i think we're, we're given seemed, a couple of mandates in the bible that right. you can't do if you're living in a right. simulation it seems like a desire that christians ought not to have because and, you know, and i mean see, if gambling is wrong yeah. surely like wanting to live <laughs> in a fake world is wrong too well how do you learn to love anyone see that that's just you that's it's sort of narcissistic yes right? mm-hmm. <clears throat> self-serving yeah i would say god would go eh, no i don't think you should do that yeah yeah, I mean, the greatest commitment is about loving God, yeah, and the second and lo- is about loving, loving others, others, and neither of those is particularly well, the yeah. motivation of... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm concerned about it, again, at a, at a much more immediate level. Oh, yeah. I, I'm not even <laughs> sure it's moral to have a relationship with anything artificial, but yeah. am I a hypocrite because to, to what degree... I mean, I don't have Siri on my phone. Okay? <gasps> I don't have no, Alexa. I don't, I don't have Alexa in my house. I, I will either. not bring that Google crap into my home where they're <laughs> listening to me commit crimes. They're giving a high five in the studio, y'all. Um, no, but I mean, I mean, I, really. I know. I mean. Well, these are personal choices. So everything. I know. But these are I, personal choices. And, and you have to decide yeah. if technology is separating you from your humanity. Remember, that was that's what we That's what to, they want to do. That's what training is. But, that, but that, okay. that's how you have to. to um, evaluate technology yeah. in your life. Well, yeah. that's important because you talked earlier about motivation and I think different people have different relationships right. with right. social media and technology. And for some, it's addictive mm-hmm. or it's a pathway to something. And I think for some people, they yeah. use it for the gospel. Oh, yeah, yeah. So. I, I do. I want to say one yeah. more thing to this question because um, where the research in the technology is right now and maybe in the future, that gene editing, like especially germline gene editing, which is done on embryos, um, require a lot of uh, embryos to be created and destroyed. Yeah. And so if you believe that an embryo is a human person, this is a big problem. Okay. <laughs> this is a big problem for you to do it because of what is being destroyed in the process for you to you know, gain 
uh, health or, or whatever. Sure. Um, even em embryonic stem cell research has mm -hmm. to create and destroy lots of embryos in the process of, of that stem cell research. So there, there's not stem cell research outside of that? Yeah, there, there's stem cells themselves. I mean, I'm not saying all that research. Sure. I'm saying when, the, when it's called embryonic stem cells, where they use yeah. embryonic stem cells for the cure or whatever yeah. they're doing, um, requires them to be created, a lot to be created and destroyed. Interesting. So okay. I think people don't always know that. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about thousands of embryos for, you know, even, even if you're talking about them doing the research to perfect it if mm -hmm. down the line it would be better but it but then for all these years well you know we had to you know 60 billion embryos were destroyed to get this one thing right. you know right you know, i don't know so that's just something that you need to think about and i need to think about if you consider an, a, an embryo human person okay but i think the person asking the question was probably asking more about the ethics of manipulation of I mean, genetic manipulation at all. Right, right. right. Um, so if there was such a way that that could happen without the cost I of think, the embryos. Yeah. Then... And I think that, that the uh, SOMA, which is just doing it on you, not yes. not, not on embryos and, and for, gen, for generations to come, I think they're going to keep working on that. And that, yeah. may, that may be a, a, a real thing for yeah. us. And I'm not, I'm not I, you know. Well, let's let's take that to the next. So I actually was talking with my daughter about this yesterday, um, about being able to you talked about being able to sort of make your own child. Right. Uh, and of course, in the audience, I joked and said, can I change my existing children? Like when they have a bad <laughs> attitude. But, um, but if you could virtually sort of create your own child through genetic manipulation before birth. Somebody here asked, "Didn't don't we get right back into some of the ethical problems with eugenics? Well, that's exactly what, what it is. But. Yeah. But we're okay. So if I think about being a new mom and I'm getting ready to be pregnant, would I want to ensure that my child wouldn't have a chromosomal abnormality? I think I would if I could. Uh -huh. Is that wrong? Okay. Like, where is the line? I think is so the question. So in 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 this type of of technology, it's it's getting back to the embryos being being destroyed because what they'll do is uh, okay. they'll to get the right one that doesn't have anything that's perfect and they can gene edit it to death. They will create and destroy embryos so they're working with a bank of them and they're going to get one that's closest to what you want and the others are or, destroyed. Or, or or even if all of them have some sort of genetic disorder they've got to get the one that it takes on i mean you know sure just, sure yeah i mean I, okay. i'm not a biologist but i'm just saying that yeah so especially in the in the the where your designer babies air is, quotes is uh probably gonna not be a good idea okay so it's interesting because i keep thinking about this forward like what forward mm -hmm. motion it's like step one okay you're still good step mm -hmm. two you're still good <laughs> step three ooh, unethical uh, but you're and you're reminding me that we need to be thinking backwards like to get to that question at all requires the sacrifice of and and of course many of our listeners don't think that embryos are right so they know. don't have a problem with that they they would say they would rather kill a billion embryos if it to, means, if it means flourishing if of it, life for uh, someone mm -hmm, that yeah mm -hmm. right right sure so that's the you know we would say no because you're killing not but all these people are, are going to suffer from their genetic disorder just because you want to yeah. say that you know it's tricky it's definitely okay here's a here's a thing i read about so the deaf community did so uh they 
did not want to genetically alter their children, even if they were deaf, because mm. they don't consider their, their deafness a liability or right. I've actually read about this. Okay. It's fascinating. And so what about if they were, what if, what if David Pierce goes, uh-uh, right. you are we're going to make you better whether you, you like it or not. You're morally wrong about what you yeah. want your child's got to be. Yeah. Perfect in hearing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, that's definitely one of the big issues and, and distinctions, I think, between the way that Christians see the world and the way that others mm-hmm. yeah. d- see the world or don't see right. the world, which is that we don't view suffering as inherently bad. In fact, it it brings about certain goods. Mm-hmm. You know, there, so there are certain goods in the world and there are certain evils in the world. And, and sometimes those things, in a, in a way, in God's providence, they work together. And that's part of our faith in God and our trust in God right. is that God reconciles these things and God is working through these things. Whereas if your only hope is material, then a material bad, it's just bad. Like there's nothing. So right. we need more endorphins, you know. Um, to, there's uh, no meaning to suffering. Right. Or, and, yeah. Which is why, you know, drug opioid abuse and yeah. you know there's a direct correlation between lack mm-hmm. of faith in god lack yeah. of a christian worldview lack of a biblical worldview and uppers basically opioids heroin or whatever they may be yeah. becoming you know more and more useful uh, and and francis schaefer talked about this you know back in the 70s he talked about the the rise of drugs and the re- the reason that drugs were used and i think he was right then i think he was, he's right now mm-hmm. and and so i think transhumanism when they talk about drugs they're talking about maybe prescribed or more, you know, you don't buy them on the street corner, but it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Same purpose. Yeah. yeah. Let's move on to, because we only have a little bit of time left to something that's maybe a little more theological, getting into talking about body and soul kind of stuff. Is there one of these questions that really spoke to you, Julie, that you wanted to address? I'm looking at this. We typed these up ahead of time to cheat a little bit. Somebody just texted me and said, who is she, Julie, to say, I can't edit my kid into a half dino boy if I want. <laughs> He's fired. He's not allowed to text me anymore. Anyway. Well, I did want to say. You might have really short arms if you do that. <laughs> yeah. Don't go T-Rex. T-Rex. Yeah. Yeah. Right. T-Rex? Yeah. yeah. But. No, you'd have to be a fool. You'll go to, to that one. You'll go to jail if you don't choose a Velociraptor. Well, like actually, you know, transhumanists would be, and we would be all for people's individual freedom. And so we're not telling anyone not to do anything. She's not telling you, yeah. anonymous person that I know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But I did want to say something about happiness. And, and so they their view of happiness really, in and that's a, you know, uh, word you have to define. Yeah. So really for them, I think is um, pleasure. It's, it's a pleasurable feeling, right? right? But all the time. Well, so it, I would say for them, it is a, a desire to have a, ple- to have pleasurable. Fe- it's a feeling, see, because it's physical. So right. it's not, um, it's not contentment or, you know, anything like that. Right. But what I want to say is that they have made it a priority. So when you make that a priority, uh, you make it a, a first-order desire, but it's not a first-order desire. What do you mean when you say that? I know what you mean, but those so listening. I guess it, it doesn't it's, – it's, uh, it's a second-order desire. So here's, here's how classical thinkers. Cl- classical thinkers and Christians would think about it, that happiness is a poor uh, long-term goal. Okay. But it's an excellent byproduct of a correct lifetime That's goal. Right. right? Okay. So it, what uh, the other way you could say it is um it's the wrong the what they're doing wrong is they're they're making 
a second order desire, a first mm-hmm. order desire, and you it, you just can't mm-hmm. ever get it. Okay, they're putting the cart before the horse. Yeah, yeah. So live yeah. live a virtuous life, and yeah. it brings you joy. What right. they're right. saying is, let's just skip the whole virtue thing. Right. Let's skip the suffering thing. Let's 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 skip all the hard things that bring the joy, and let's just mm-hmm. give us or give, give us the give, dessert. Give yeah. it an injection. And yeah. yeah. So a life of virtue and character will bring you happiness, but that's the first order. That yeah. would be the first order. It's an interesting distinction. Yeah. For anybody that is watching The Good Place, if you're close to the end, they, they tackle this. Do you watch it? I have watched some of it, but I haven't watched it all. The, one of the very recent episodes gets into this idea mm-hmm. that if you're always happy, if you can have anything you want for eternity, you'll basically turn into zombies. Yeah. It's pretty fascinating. But that, so. bring, that brings the question of what Christians think about heaven. You know, so, It does. We may have to save that for another. Yeah. But yeah, yeah it's... You're exactly I mean, right. do we do we think in in heaven will there be? Yeah. I mean, we don't think there's any sin there. But will I have we... a thought about that. Okay, cool. I have a thought that there's. I think that there will be so much purpose in heaven and work, good work. No mm-hmm. thorns and thistles. No mm-hmm. bosses that you don't like right. or colleagues that you don't like or hours that you the know. work that Adam had before um, the fall. Exactly uh-huh. right. Yeah. Which, if you believe in everything that's told to us about Eden, and you take that and you kind of put it at the end and go forever, I, I, think, I think that it, we will. It's better than going well. To sure. Eden. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Eden on steroids. Yeah. But the idea is that they weren't just sitting around taking. Right. I, I think because they were working, because there was purpose, because there was a relationship with God and with each other, I think that's how we avoid the good place producer's idea of what would happen in uh-huh. heaven. But that's a quick version answer. Is and there the, one of these this, that you wanted the to? The super happiness thing also, you hit on it. Um, it produces narcissistic and empty mm-hmm. selves is what it is because it, it really the whole transhumanist project is very inward focused to mm-hmm. myself. Yeah. You know? So it's very narcissistic. It doesn't seem that way at first when you start thinking about genetic mo- modification and living longer and curing Alzheimer's and, you know, mm-hmm. putting spines back together. It sounds all very noble and wonderful. But yeah, the more we think of, especially the happiness piece of it, mm-hmm. it does. And you think about people that right now search for happiness and, and you hear people say things like, I'm always chasing the next thing, but then it doesn't satisfy. I'm chasing the next mm-hmm. thing that's all about me. Um, interesting. Did you want to grab one of these last questions before we have to leave? Maybe one about the body and soul? Yeah, let's see. Or we could talk about sex robots. That was on there too. <laughs> I was surprised we didn't spend more time on that on Tuesday. Um, I didn't quite understand her what what this was. Okay, what, so there was a question that came in that said, "It seems I love that Julie assumes that all these came in from women. I love it. It's like yeah. reverse yeah, they're sexism. All, they're all curious. it's great. No, let's do it. They're all from women. <laughs> Sorry, guys. It seems that the body is essential to your your being, Julie. Your mm-hmm. anthropology." At least until you can't answer. This is a, there's, there's fighting words here. Okay. Yeah. At least until you can't answer the question and then you always default to the soul as the Trump. Is yeah, that too simplistic? But I Does wondered that... what she meant, what they mean by she... that. <laughs> I think that when we talk about the body and, um, and then the people on the panel would take a, a view that was not positive with transhumanism, we would get back to saying, but there's more to it. There's the soul and you can't account for that. I think they think that Christians are using that as the Trump, like, well, the soul gets in the way. So it's Mm -hmm. never going to be possible, nor is it a good thing, Mm -hmm. whatever we're talking about. So we don't have to tackle that question if you don't want. But Well, the only thing I wanted to say was that it's important to, and you brought this out, Evan, too, about that we're a unity of body and soul. So we're, you know, really the Gnostic here is the is the transhumanist. They they don't like the body. They 
Right. They want morphological freedom from the body. Okay. Yeah. And I probably overstated it. I said we are our body. Yeah. And I, I, I didn't mean that we are only our body. Sure. But I, right. I, what I was saying is right. that Christians believe we are body and soul. We're body and soul. Yeah. But but a lot of people, a lot of Christians don't believe that. I know. Or they don't realize that. Well, That's well, what... they tend to be... Yeah, They're Gnostic, Gnostic on that as well. Gnostic it's like Oprah well. famously said, I believe that we are souls yeah. more or less trapped uh-huh. in bodies. Yeah, and that's that's yeah. actually not right. So that right. We're, That's actually not right. We're, we're, I was arguing with someone the other day who will go nameless, who's who's been Roman Catholic her entire life, and she says, no, 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 there, there is no resurrection of the body. Like, <gasps> you confess it every week in the Apostles' Creed. Resurrection yeah, but of the body, I, the life But I just don't believe it, and I hope God doesn't care. Well, the weirdest thing will be when only when we die in our soul is dis, you know when we're disembodied yeah. is the most weirdest time we will have right. because we need to be uh we Unified. need to be re- reunited with our body so it's not a natural thing for us to be without our body hmm. um, right and so so when they want to get rid they actually want to get rid of our body they hate yeah. they, they hate it. it's 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 going to wear out it's 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 been it's a evolved. nuisance it's, yeah. it's a nuisance it's terrible really they're all about the the intellect you know the brain yeah and um, so they're the most Gnostic, but um, it's interesting. I don't know. Well, I, can I, I'll ask the question about sex robots. Okay. I mean, <laughs> no, I, I mean, again, the, we, we, we need to. This is the most emerging issue, I think. And yep. so the, the question is, what about sex robots? What's the moral ethical argument against them, especially if your partner consents? And so, is your I'd, partner the robot in this part, scenario? Yeah, the part, your, I'm, your I'm, I'm, I'm partner? guessing they're talking about uh, a, um, a, a threesome. <clears throat> um, can we, is it? Can we <laughs> <on> <laughs> uh, I mean, I, just in case the uh, FCC oh, is mad at me. Oh, maybe um, that's what it is. Okay. Well, I mean, so okay. Um, first of all, con- it's amazing how quickly consent is the only. Um, you know, uh, virtue left uh, yeah. of of what is acceptable sex and and not. Um, yeah. you know, and in a Christians again, uh, we we say very strongly whether or not all people agree to participate is not a measure of its rightness or wrongness. That's right. And so, first of all, bringing a sex robot into your, uh, or even a dumber version of it into your bedroom, agreeing on it may not be the the thing. But it's an um, important distinction. Yeah, but I mean, do you? I don't know if you may not be comfortable talking about this, but I mean, oh no, I'm I'm fine. Yeah, um, I just think you know it's just such a perverted view. Uh, it just separates sex from its meaning and purpose. Yeah. I mean, That's right. to do that, let's state what its meaning and purpose is, lest our listeners wonder what Christians think about such things. Well, it you're the theologian. Uh, well, yeah. Well, I, I, I yeah, I would say assuming marriage. Uh, right. right. Yeah. We right. W- we would assume that marriage, and and then and I would say that there are many reasons for for sex, but I said at the panel that it's hard, and what I meant by that is that life together is is difficult, right? Uh, because two sinners come together, and even in a good situation, they have difficulty <laughs> and struggle, and hopefully much more joy than that. But when two people become one, it's it's often in the midst of of difficulty, and so um, and yet. <laughs> A, a robot ex- will exist. I think they already do exist as our, as our our worshiper. Really, I mean, yep. you you program it to. So <laughs> when you walk in home, you know, Alexa or the or the sex robot version of Alexa. Hi, Evan. How was your day today? Boy, you look handsome. You know, <laughs> calm down, Evan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have one of these. I'm just. I, I think this is what they do. But but they do that. I mean, like, 
it, it's never going to be the other. Like, and I mean right, that in right. the best or sense challenging of the word. Or, the challenging, right. the sanctifying right. force, and that's part right. of the, you know, what what takes right. place in marriage as well. God didn't give you a an, a butt kisser. God gave you a partner. Mm-hmm. God gave you someone so that you work together and you build something together through often hardship and toil. And then you, you know, and then eventually, you know, I mean, it's a lot of joy. I mean, I'm, Amanda's going to be listening to this like, <laughs> what do you think about our marriage? But, <laughs> but also, no, you're but, so handsome, Evan. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah. My concern is that sex robots are fundamentally going to be narcissistic. It's it's it's, oh, it's yeah. and and it will set. But they're the, not a far step from what how people think of sex anyway. So well, today, that that's so, true. Yeah. But um, but I I can see all kinds of dangerous. That's what I was going to say. It goes yeah. much far beyond narcissism and into some really well. Narcissism itself takes you somewhere dangerous. Yeah. But uh, you know, we narrowly escaped getting sex robots as uh, here in Houston. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure it's only a matter of time again, but. There are different settings on them that you can set them for, like certain kinds of resistance. They can uh, resist you. They can right. um, because it's make more noises that sound like yeah. they don't want to participate. Uh, that they're not consenting. Right. Isn't that dangerous and fun? And some people would say, "Well, that's great. So all of the weird perverted people can they get out their their yeah. perversions on the robots, and then they won't go and you know rape and molest people." But then there's a lot of other people that say, "No, it will become normalized, practicing. and they will yes. then take right. that." And yeah. it'll be even easier. Well, yeah. all you know, if, if if there's a series of of rapes in a neighborhood, for example, who do the police know to look to now? Because we've we've learned this. We profile people now. Well, who got arrested for peeping Tom? Who got yeah. arrested for this? Who got because it escalates because the thrill is there. I mean, it's 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 related to pornography and the damaging effects of pornography. Yeah. Right? It's turning twenty five year old men into impotent. Um, people who are fun- actually uninterested in sex after a while because they've warped their brain. Yeah. Sex robots will, and, and you know, do, I mean, eventually it'll get old. You know, eventually you'll walk in from work and the Alexa will say, hi, James, um, different person now. You're so handsome. And you'll be like, shut up. Yeah. You know, I'm so sick of hearing that. It, it, it won't, it won't be kind exciting anymore. It's a happiness problem. Yeah. Interestingly, it comes back around. Do you yeah. have any other thoughts on sex robots? I'm I'm curious if this has come up in the transhumanism work you've done. Well, they prefer just the the actual uh, stimulation of having an orgasm just by orgasm just by stimulating the brain. The brain, yeah. So that one day we can just be a consciousness yeah. that's uploaded into the cloud. And, and so we that's can... part of the brain machine interface. That would be a feature you could have. That okay. You just be... Can I can I ask this as the as the uh, I'm going to pretend to be liberal for a minute. Um. Is there sexism inherent to all this? Because this all seems very male-dominated. How? And, well, aren't, aren't how many women are involved in transhumanism research? There and, is and a, there, the leading woman who's one of the original sort of founders in, in America is Natasha Vita Moore, and she she helps run the Alcor Institute, which is where okay. they freeze they you. They can freeze well, you. Well, I say that because you indicated that um, there are women. There, there's okay. women in the okay. movement. She's the main. Most of the leaders are men. Well, and you had, you had indicated that that actually they're very interested in sex, which they immediately are. strikes me as a very male thing. They, you know, they are. But very, maybe I'm being sexist. Yeah, they are very interested in in. Well, sex. no, I, I, well, and I mean, again, I, I made the joke about sex cults, but you know, it, cults are are basically you know many you know Joseph Smiths. I would argue you know many many uh, men's ways of basically. Um, figuring out how to have as much sex as possible with as many people as possible, and they do it through manipulative means. Yeah. And I'm wondering if this is just that on a grand, grander scale. Hmm. 
Probably not, okay. although it's a tangential. I'm just trying to stick thing. up for yeah. women, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'll go back to that. being a conservative. Well, okay. actually, on the on the gene editing thing, you know, where they're going to have to get the embryos, they pay women for their eggs. Yeah. And so that's a, a way that they will will also, if you wanted, if you wanted a, a reason to be kind of sketchy about yeah. gene, that they'll they pay women for um for the eggs for the embryos yeah. to do the research. Interesting. Okay. We are out of time. Yeah. Any where, where can people find you? Do you want people to find you? <laughs> they can't find. They can't me. find you. She's she's off the grid. Ironically. <laughs> okay. oh, yeah. I have. <laughs> I have. Well, she lives we'll, in the forest. I mean, Sarah's, bears bring her her breakfast. Yeah, yeah. Sarah knows where to find me. No, I li- I live in okay. College Station. I work on my okay. my dissertation. All right. So okay. We'll we'll find you when your book comes out, and we'll do a book signing here at KPFT. I just didn't know if you wanted more Twitter followers or oh what. Oh my gosh. So. Oh, I'm not on Twitter. Okay. Well, well, theology on tap is we are uh, at Houston TOT. Hashtag Houston TOT. Mm-hmm. Hashtag Theology on Air, and we're on Facebook as well. All of the evil empires are, are covered. Oh uh, any any last thoughts, Sarah, from you? Uh, no, I don't hate the internet like you do. But... <laughs> uh, I, I use it all day, every day, so I, yeah, I don't yeah. hate it either. But, um, but okay. look, look for these things in the in the uh, news. This is, a, you know. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. at least you know about it, and then you go, oh, they're, they're doing it. Yeah. 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 Well, Julie Miller, thanks so much for joining us. Yes, thank, uh, thank you. Sarah, thanks for much for putting this all together. I know you found Julie, and uh, you, you're hiking in the woods one day, and you found her, and you're like, hey, come do a radio also, show. Also, I have a matchmaker okay. for oh. lots of different things. Yes. Very good, very good. Well, folks, we want to thank you again for listening to Theology on Air here at KPFT 90.1 FM. Don't be afraid to go to kpft.org to learn how you can help KPFT stay on the air. Uh, we've been here for, I think, 50 years, but we'd like to be here another 50, and we can't do it without your help. So kpft.org. To learn more, all those other places to learn more about Houston Theology on Tap, we're going to have a really awesome Theology on Tap in a couple of months on archaeology. Looking very much forward to that. But until then, friends, we encourage you to question freely, think deeply, and disagree as needed. <laughs>